before the dark times, before the Empire. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Eclair and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 278, The Dark Times. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Lobot to my Lando. We have Carl Leclerc. <laughs> I guess I can't talk the whole episode. <laughs> nope. You just listen to your little headphones. <laughs> well, apparently I'm listening to the Emperor's theme. <laughs> um, Jason, I am so excited for this episode because we are not alone. It's been a little while since we've had a guest, and there's nothing better than a special guest, and this man is indeed special. If I am the Lobat to your Lando... Well, he's the Darth Vader to the show, because he's the mastermind of all things wonderful. It's Mr. Scott Rifen. <laughs> and I think, when I think of Darth Vader, I think of the mastermind of all things wonderful. It's, it's great that you get <laughs> that analogy. <laughs> oh, my it's, goodness. You know, Darth yes. Vader, Willy Wonka, same thing, really, when I think about it. <laughs> right? Darth I, I, I mean, I've so, been told I see those films differently than others, but, you know. <laughs> you got any of those golden tickets for us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come take a tour of the desktop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and for those of you who are unfamiliar with Scott, Scott's been on the sh- it's been a long time, but Scott's been on the show yes. in the past, but um Scott has is the host and creator of my favorite Star Wars podcast, My Star Wars Story, which to be fair has been a little bit dormant for a while, but it's still yes. by far the greatest Star Wars podcast in all of the world <laughs> of iTunes. So if you don't listen to My Star Wars Story, get on it. Laying it on thick. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I can measure up to this. This is it. We just ought to call it a quit right here. All right. See you guys. Right. Thanks for everybody no, for no, tuning no, no. in. You're not allowed to leave. You're not oh, allowed no. to leave, Scott. <laughs> I have you now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so what are we, we, what are we, we doing, Carl? Yeah. Well, so we, we asked Scott on for uh, a very specific reason, and it's to discuss the dark times, which essentially are those periods between the major Star Wars film releases, and, and most notably, um, and Scott, like, you know this much better than us, which is why we wanted you on to, to <laughs> break this down, but the Dark Times are essentially, like, right after the release of Return of the Jedi, I mean, in a way, up until, you know, the announcement of the prequels, but even especially until at least 91 with the release of Heir to the Empire. So yeah. we, we really want to talk to you about what was it like as a Star Wars fan at that time? How did you, you know, kind of keep your Star Wars love alive? And and then we'll kind of compare that to a little bit of, you know, the uh, the drought between Revenge of the Sith and the Disney acquisition in, in 2013. And, and we use the term drought loosely. Right. With that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was there was a lot of Star Wars in that drought. Yes, yes, there was. So we'll talk a little bit about the difference between those periods of dark times and uh, and all that all that fun stuff. But before we get into all of that, um, Jason, we had a poll from our last episode where we, of course, broke down the latest uh, official teaser, or excuse me, not teaser, but full trailer for Solo: A Star Wars Story. 
And we mm-hmm. asked uh, we asked folks what their favorite moment in the trailer was, and uh, you know what did they say, Jason? What do what do the Larrys have to say about the solo trailer? Dum dum, I love that. I love that music. Well, but you didn't put that down as your favorite, so should I change that? Well, that's not a moment. That's the whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, uh, we have quite a few uh, different things that made the list here. So, um, in fourth place, with one vote each, we have um, the the Falcon moment where Han and Chewie are looking up at the Falcon. You know, where they're backlit by the the lights, or as you call it, the twin suns moment. Carl, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> We have the uh, the moment where Lando says, "You might want to buckle up, baby." Um, grabbing the mean man's face, uh, Chewie and the other Wookiee. Um, Lando in general was was a, was something someone said. Uh, the showdown with Enfys Nest on the uh, beach planet, desert planet, whatever it is. Um, and then, oh, Scott, this one was yours. I have a very good feeling about this. Yes. So, uh, why'd you pick that one? Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's the phrase, one of the things we always look for in a Star Wars movie, except it's it's inverted, and I thought that was neat because it shows, you know, something changed along the way, because it's always, I've got a bad feeling about this, but this was a twist on it. You know, I always like to see, to me, that's what's neat about modern era Star Wars, is they do take so many of the cool things that we know and love and put a little twist on it, and I thought it was great for that reason. Works for me too, so yeah. I'm glad, glad it got on the list. You know, and I'm also glad you mentioned it too, Scott. Because a quick question for both of you, and mm-hmm. it's simply: I feel like, in a way, that line kind of breaks the third wall in a similar way to some of the lines that Luke says in, you know, Last Jedi, specifically in the trailer, and then followed up in the film. Right? Like, this isn't going to go the way you think. I think is mm-hmm. obviously in the context of the film pertinent, but I think, in a way, it also is speaking to us, the audience. I really feel like the, very much that line in particular, yeah, yeah, and I have a feeling that the 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 line that you know Han says in this trailer, where you know, I've got a really good feeling about this, is certainly pertinent to the context of what's going on in the film, which you know from all we can gather is very well him doing about to do the Kessel Run, but I also think it's a line to us, the audience, that you know, in light of all of the hubbub around Last Jedi, whether you loved it or hated it. It's it's fair to say it was the most divisive film ever in Star Wars. Um, yeah. Even it, for me, it was divi- it, like within myself. It was divisive. Yeah, yeah. Because because one of me really likes a lot of it, and then one of me really doesn't like a lot of it. So. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> I'm not uh, serious. Question here. Yes, yes. How many are in you? Uh, um, you know, just a few. Not okay. not a ton. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, there's there's only so much body to go around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I really feel like that line is also delivered to us, the audience, of just saying like this is going to be a really fun Star Wars film. You know, yeah. it, not not necessarily better or or anything like that in comparison to Last Jedi, but just more of this is just going to be really fun. You're going to enjoy this. I had read so much downer news about this movie going, you know, along, and I was not in love with either teaser and it's kind of it's one of these weird things so it's been a couple of years since a trailer for anything has really excited me for anything and so i thought well just teasers are wearing off i mean trailers are wearing off i'm sick of them they're all they all have the same rhythm to them they have the same drum beats they have the same 
orchestrations. I, I think it's just you know, it's not working. And then this new trailer came out for Solo, and all of a sudden I went, wait, I like trailers again. <laughs> you know, and the, and the TV spots have been showing up, and I'm watching the TV spots going, yes, yes, this is great. So, you know, I, I don't. I hope I'm not disappointed, but I'm really looking forward to this now. I can't say that a month ago. Right. Right. Because a month ago, we hadn't seen a darn thing. And so I'm really glad that we're yeah. finally seeing stuff. And I'm really excited, too. But I should probably finish up the rest of the poll results. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I purposely got a sidetrack. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll step back into the garage for a little bit. While you <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, in third place with two votes, we have the, the Chewy Body Slam. He, you know, picks the guy up over his shoulder and slams him down in the ground. Uh, second place with three votes um, was the line, everything you've heard about me is true. Um, and then in first place with six votes is um, 190 years old. You look great. That is <laughs> so, a good line. It's a great line. And uh, Carl and I both voted for that one. So I don't blame you. It's good. <laughs> so why'd you pick it, Carl? Honestly, it's because I had to pick something. In a way, the trailer is so perfect to me that it just builds so beautifully that, in a way, I don't really have a favorite moment. I just love the whole damn thing. And it just it starts great, and it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Um, but I wanted to pick specifically a moment that wasn't in the teaser because um, I do still love the moment of him looking up at the Falcon and um, the shot of him standing in the bar with, like, he's a silhouette. But I was like, all right, we've gotten those before. I love this because it's perfect humor, and it's it's the perfect middle part of the the trailer. It kind of breaks things up for a second, and, and immediately shows kind of the the silliness that exists between Han and Chewie. Um, and and I just think Alden is so perfectly Han in that moment, and and I can't say that enough to all the annoying yeah. not my solo <laughs> people already. Like just yeah. oh my god, go to Mustafar. Like he's great. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny because I was worried about him, too, because, again, I've been reading all these negative articles and, you know, acting coach and all this other stuff. And when I saw that official trailer, I said to a buddy of mine, because I've got a buddy who's actually a screenwriter out in Hollywood who just is is he Star Wars is dying to him because he really just hated Last Jedi. In fact, it's, it's gotten to the point where he'll send me two or three Last Jedi hate articles every day. And I'm like, dude, please. But uh, um that that trailer said to me, you know what? He's not Harrison Ford, and nobody's going to be Harrison Ford, and he can't be. But you know what? He is solo. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he yes. does seem to be capable of pulling it off. Right. Yeah. Well, That's did exactly you... what we were saying uh, when we were reviewing the trailer last week. So. Well, see, you shouldn't have bumped me then. <laughs> <laughs> you ditched us. <laughs> and, well, it was mutual ditching. Yeah. Well, did, did you hear, too? Um, I heard a report somewhere, and again, it could be fabrication but the the one of the major reasons he brought in an acting coach was because alden has never done stunt work before and he wanted to do a lot of the stunts so he brought in an acting coach to help teach him some of the major stunts for the film so that's the oh, cool. that's the big again this is just something i heard it could again it could be wrong but uh you know according to a source close to the making of the film the main purpose of the acting coach was to help him with stunt work so, which to me makes a lot of sense. Like Alden Ehrenreich has yet to do any film like this. So, if he wants to put himself out there and do stunts, and he has no training in that, yeah, makes sense that he'd bring in a coach. Sure. And 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 can I just say something? As someone who wants to be in that field, um, 
any actor worth their salt uses an acting coach. Right. It's it's a normal thing. They they want to make sure that they're doing it because they want someone to, you know, play things off, to evaluate, to critique what they're doing in order to be able to do it better. And he is emulating a character that is so iconic and so linked with a man who is an icon in and of himself that he's really got to get the mannerisms and the attitude and the swagger and everything. And so, you know, I'm not surprised he had an acting coach. And at the same time, there is, and I think anybody who saw The Age of Adeline knows well that there's a big difference in doing an impression and acting. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that, what's the name of the kid that uh, that everybody loves on the internet uh, that was in Age of Adeline playing young Harrison Ford? Um, well, I don't and, know. And, and nothing against him, but Anthony and Gruber. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. And, yeah. uh, and nothing against him, but I saw Age of Adeline. I saw it at the theater, and he does a nice impression, but it wasn't, when I saw him, I said, gosh, there's a guy doing an impression. You know, I didn't feel like that's really the character young. You know, acting is a lot more than just doing an impression. A lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm glad to see that we're all hyped up for this movie. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else we got, Carl? Um, well... <laughs> uh, throw it right back uh, at you. Yeah, I, uh, quick side note, I just can't wait for Solo. This movie looks so damn good. <laughs> um... And, uh, and and let me just say, I've already put in for my day off from work. So, uh, yeah, luckily. And, and when I when I had to turn in the corporate form and it asked a reason, I did put Wookie Hookie. <laughs> so, nice. Yes, I did. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to make this prediction right here, right now, for anybody who wants to hear it, anybody who wants to mark it. Chewbacca steals this movie. Uh, oh, he's already stealing my heart. Yeah, with those he, goggles, he's going to own this film. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, it'll be nice because he was so sidelined in Last Jedi. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great to see. And and what's the actor's name? Johan? Um, uh, Eunice. Eunice, uh, yeah. Eunice Suotomo, yeah. I think. Oh, my gosh. Does he, he just does such a great job yeah. um, as, uh, as, as emulating the Peter Mayhew version of Chewbacca. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, it's perfect. Yeah. But anyway, I uh, God, I just can't wait for that movie. Um, but uh, uh, to any of you who've been, you know, following us on social media, you know that this just this past week we finished our This Is Madness tournament again. Kind of, uh, you know, here in the Wampus Lair, we've this year and last year we decided to continue running this tournament because StarWars.com doesn't apparently do it anymore. So we figured it'd be a lot of fun to do it ourselves, and uh, we had our victor last week, which kind of won in a complete shutdown. Um, it was Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Sidious, and Obi-Wan just wiped the floor with Darth Sidious, um, which didn't surprise me at all. Um, so It didn't it was, surprise me at all either, but I did vote for Palpatine. Yeah, I go for Palpatine. <laughs> There's Pop- a shock. <laughs> <laughs> go for Papa Palpatine. What? <laughs> go for Papa Palpatine. <laughs> um... But yeah, no. I mean, what the hell's an aluminum falcon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, he's crying. <laughs> God, I love robot chicken Star Wars. Um, 
but yeah, no, just just wanted to give a quick, you know, a thank you to everybody who participated in the, in the tournament the uh, couple weeks we ran it. It was so fun. We got a lot of great feedback. Um, so any of you that participated in the in the tournament, thank you so much. And of course, it'll be back again next next March, um, better than ever. So um, yes. yeah. So if you missed so it this year, are, I'm so glad you guys are continuing this. I think that's great. Thanks, Scott. Oh, I just, you know, because I missed it from being on the thing on the uh, yeah, Star Wars sites. Just, I, lo- you know. I loved it because I couldn't. I just, I don't care about college basketball at all anymore. I mean, it's fine, <laughs> but you know, people are like, did you do a bracket? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and you know, those. I think that for they did this is madness for four years, and every year I would print off the bracket right at the start. And like fill mm. it out, and I'd hang that up in my office. Like people would be like, "Wow, is that your bracket?" I'm like, "Yeah, look at it." They're like, "What's this?" I'm like, "Exactly, it's, <laughs> it's actually fun." <laughs> um, and uh, I loved, I absolutely loved doing it. So you know, when when we noticed last year they weren't doing it, Jason and I were like, "We got to do this. We got to, yes. we got to make this happen." Yeah, that's awesome. And our so, final coincided with celebration a, a year ago. Um, when we did it last year so that was really awesome yeah yeah even more awesomer yes (laughs) um that's proper english i have a picture of all of us together by the way for celebration that was a good time yeah good times it was it was a good time it was a good i was thinking about that uh today and i i my guess if you know if i can speculate i i would assume they're going to announce may 4th when the celebration is going to be next well, year yeah supposedly there was just an article that hit today that said on okay. may 4th we're supposed to get the announcement of the next celebration okay that's been in my mind for a while and of course anaheim is the logical place unfortunately for many of us on the east coast but because uh, you know the Star Wars land will be open, right? As long right. as it's not in in London, I, I'll go. Yeah, as long as yeah. it's not in Europe, and just not because I have anything against Europe, but it's obviously a lot more expensive to do an international oh, yes. flight. <laughs> so, oh yes, no, but that, I mean Star Wars land will be open by then. Apparently, it's going to be open later in uh, Florida. So you got that, and then you'll be coming up on Episode Nine, and right. if it's in the fall, you'll you, you know you'll have the the whole. Gashmir happening there, and I would be willing to bet there's a separate ticket event at their Star Wars land as well. Oh yeah, oh That's yeah, my guess. You know, you know, it'd also be great is if the, at, at the next celebration in 2019, which will also be leading up, you know, to the end of the sequel trilogy. That you know, normally the last day of celebration they announce something big, although they didn't yeah. in Orlando this past year. Well, um, well they did. They said uh, Star Wars Upright 2019. That's all we can tell you. Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, it was nothing of great value, but I, I would love it if in 2019, just to just to like rile people up, because there's so many like crappy Star Wars fans out there now. And I'm sorry, I know that's really mean to say, but it's true. Um, uh-huh. And just very bitter people that just yes. uh, just drive me crazy, drive a lot of us crazy. But um, I would love it if they said, "Coming in 2021, the Obi Wan Kenobi movie you've all been waiting for, starring Alden Ehrenreich." <laughs> <laughs> Not because, I, I love you. Like, right to the edge, and then, oh, by the way, <laughs> right. being played by Alden Ehrenreich. Oh, uh, and then in 2025, a Luke Skywalker origin story starring Alden Ehrenreich. <laughs> uh, Alden's trying to be busy. positive, and I would, yeah, he's, jeez. <laughs> last year wasn't it coming 2028 Probably. jar jar a star wars story starring, starring. alden ehrenreich yes <laughs> i am first in line for that one 
You have to fight me for that first. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Misa first in line for that. There you go. Nope. Misa. Misa gonna be first in line. You used to go to the back. Um but all of this all of this fun conversation about celebration and, and meeting up for Star Wars stuff and, and, and you know going venturing out to to experience the world of Star Wars. Jason, we have a fun little announcement to share, don't we? We do. Oh yeah. So and we're so glad that Scott's on this episode because Scott oh really helped in this opportunity and hold on a second because here we go that's right everybody the Wampa's Lair will be co-hosted by Alden Ehrenreich from Evermore (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding I wish Um, but no we are Jason and I are so excited because um, in July of this year, he and I are going to be going out to San Francisco for our Star Wars experience trip. We are going to Rancho Obi-Wan. We are doing the Redwood Forest of Endor. We are doing Lucasfilm headquarters and everything in between. Heading up Modesto, California. I'm going to try to get into Skywalker Ranch. Jump the fence just like in Fanboys. I'm in pretty good shape. I don't think they'll be able to catch me. Um, but- just, just call Justin Bolger. <laughs> Hi Justin, it's me Carl. Let me in. Yes. That's, that's the safer bet. <laughs> but no, we are I I have been wanting to go to San Francisco since I was a little kid, mainly because I was I've been a diehard 49ers fan my whole life, so that was always the main reason. Not um, to mention the streets of San Francisco fanatic. Yes. <laughs> Carl Malden, I know, was a big you had like Carl Malden posters on your wall when you were a kid. <laughs> you know it. And you and you and I know that you prefer the Michael Douglas era, but you also will enjoy the Richard Hatch uh, episodes as well. So got posters over my bed. (laughs) (laughs) But I have um, no idea what you are talking about. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, youth. Um, It's a Quinn Martin production. Look it up. (laughs) But uh, well, while Jason's looking that up, uh, (laughs) uh, no. I, you know, I decided, I said, you know what, I, I have the month off of work in July and I want to do something fun. And Jason and I have, you know, I've only ever hung out at celebration events. We, I mean, we met at Fan Days, obviously, almost seven years ago and, and decided to launch the show. The only other times we've met, though, is um, in person to hang out was at celebrations, which are certainly a great time. Um, but I decided, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to San Francisco this summer because I've, for once in my life, I have a little extra money. I can afford to do this. I want to go see some of these amazing Star Wars sites. And I said to Jason, a few, like about two months ago, I said, Jason, I'm doing this and I want you to come. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. Then the following week, I was like, Jason, you're coming. And he was like, yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Pretty much how that happened. So um, we decided we want, we, you know, we obviously want to do Lucasfilm. We're going to do, um, you know, some of the Redwood Forest. And uh, and I was like, you know, we got to do Rancho Obi Wan if we're going out there as well. And yeah. I remembered our good friend Scott, you know, has has a nice relationship with some folks there at Rancho Obi Wan. So I reached out to Scott with the simple purpose of gaining gaining some more information and knowledge and a potential discount. And <laughs> uh, instead of a discount, Scott was kind enough to purchase us a membership for the year so that we can go there. 
um, f- free of membership charge. So, Scott, again, I want to. I mean, I've been thanking yeah. you for weeks, but I I want to thank you on the air. <laughs> this is the kind of guy Scott Rifen is. So, just get in touch with him if you want to go to Rancho Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, basically, yeah, you asked me, if, do you have to be a member? Is there a way you can get in? And I, I, to my knowledge, there's not a way to visit there if you're not a member. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I wanted you guys to go, but I wanted you guys to be able to do to, you know, it, I didn't. I thought, well, if I book it in my name, then they've got to throw me around and this kind of thing. And, I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want it to be complicated for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I had a few bucks laying around, and I'll tax deduct it. You know, it, it, it's going to work out. Uh, but I just, I really, and here's the other thing, too, is I don't see myself going to the West Coast anytime uh, soon or even close to soon. And so, you know, I may never get out there. I may never get out there. Uh, if you guys get a chance to get out there and you can take some pictures and you can kind of think of me, memorialize me while you're out there, hey, I'm okay with it. You know, well, so, uh, you know what I'm going to do, know. Scott. Before I leave, um, since I st- before I leave uh, my job for the summer, because we have I have all this access to great high end printers, I'm going to print off a great picture of you to you know glue to a stick, and you're coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Me on a stick, Scott on a stick. <laughs> I like Scott it on a stick. That is just so weird. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm doing it. It's going to happen now. Um, this, is, this is now on the internet and we are going to be held to it oh no our, our listeners our listeners are going to see be like where's scott there are going to be <laughs> pictures of scott on a stick that's uh, and by the way one of my favorite breakfast foods of all time is scott on a stick so <laughs> it's a great cereal rather always crunchy. enjoyed it yes always enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean we're we're so excited and um jason i'm also I, excited because you know I definitely will definitely be doing lots of live videos from, you know, wherever we are so that you all, if you've never had the opportunity to experience any of these places, um, you can get some, some taste of it. I mean, I know there's lots of videos out there of all sorts of these things, but it's always fun when it's, when it's something a little bit more low key, something a little bit more personal. So, um, we certainly are going to share that experience with all of you. Um, and I'm sure there's some of you listening right now and be like, Oh, been there, done that, which Good, like, <laughs> I don't mean that to be so rude, but good for you. Good for you. Like, I'm jealous. So, like, I'm yeah. so excited that we get we get to to experience that in just a few more months. So, while there's no celebration this year, Jason, you and I will get to celebrate. Yes, and it'll be it'll be kind of weird. We'll be we'll be hanging out without some sort of convention going on around us. You know, I, I almost won't know what to do with myself. Just have a great time. That's what you'll do with yourself. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, Scott, thank you, thank you so much for helping oh, to facilitate no. that and for getting I, the Wampas Lair a membership to Ranch Obi Wan for the year. I, we- I just, I just hope you guys have fun. That's you know, I, I always feel like, like I said with the My Star Wars thing, I feel like I'm, I'm spreading Star Wars love, and I just that's what I want to be able to do. So I'm glad we've been able to help. Well, we will, we greatly do appreciate it. So, but. Um, we should probably stop kibitzing and, and heaping praise on each other's because um, we have a topic. <laughs> yeah. And we've been going for, what, a half an hour almost already? Yeah. I mean, I it's, it's in some change. Um, 
no, almost a half hour. Almost half hour. But um, yeah, no, I mean, th- one of the main reasons we wanted to get Scott on not was obviously to because we really wanted to thank you on air because uh, you mm. really just yeah, like Jason said, we just can't thank you enough. Um, I appreciate that. But uh, it's also for your knowledge, and, and Scott, there actually where this idea came to me, I was uh, I was driving into work the other day and. Um, I was like, you know, I, I feel like listening to like, cause there's so many great Star Wars podcasts, obviously. And you know, everybody's all, so many of them, all they really do is the news, which at the end of the day, sometimes I just kind of get bored of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not to knock anybody ever, all these Star Wars podcasts out there. I mean, there's so many wonderful podcasts, but I was like, I just want to listen to like a great story about fandom. And I was like, I got to go to my Star Wars story cause it's the best show for that. And, um, I mean, I've listened to every episode you've put out, but Luckily, I mean, you started it a couple of years ago, so going back and listening to some yeah. of the early ones, I don't necessarily remember everything. And just, you know, some of your earlier episodes, you know, you did have guys who also, you know, are around your age, grew up with the original films. And it's just. Yes. <laughs> not, not ancient, <laughs> just older than us. Not, I, right. I, I, bro- I broke wind earlier today and dust came out. <laughs> <laughs> that's how old I am. Well, that's I bro- <laughs> why you don't sit in the wood chipper right. pile. That's right. Well, you know, speaking of the wood chipper, yeah, I went to the doctor the other day and they asked how old I was. I couldn't tell them. They cut me open and counted the rings. That's how bad it was. Oh. For those of you who are wondering, Scott's really not that old. No, not I'm at all. That old. No. No, he's not. But um, <laughs> but but a great question you often ask guests, especially you know the 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 folks that you've had on the show who again like who who grew up, you know, were kids during the original era. You know, one of the one of the great questions you ask is, you know, what did you do? You know, when Return of the Jedi was leaving theaters, what did you do in what has become known as the dark times? And yes. I know you have so much insight behind it, but you're I mean, you're such a damn good host that you never you never step on toes like you really let it be someone else's story. But I know well, yeah. underneath all that, like you're brimming with knowledge and your own experience. And I really so want to turn this around. And yes. we're gonna ask you the question, <laughs> Scott. Yes. During the dark times, <laughs> what did you do? How did you keep the the Star Wars spark alive? I didn't. I said to heck with it, and I'd throw all my stuff away, and I joined the Star Trek ranks. <laughs> None of that's true. I'm sorry. None of that's true. Um, you know, it, well, it's interesting because you know we were all kind of kibitzing before we started, and one of the things that we kind of we didn't really agree on is kind of the the start and end date of the dark times. And I right. thought that was kind of a, a fascinating, uh, you know, kind of a fascinating observation right there is that, you know, what are the dark times? What do they consist of? Uh, you know, I, I can tell you for me, it was really, it was that time, not just between releases of the film, but when Star Wars was in hibernation. And, you know, it, it, while it was in hibernation, we still we still had Star Wars, but not not like we do now. Are you guys still there? Oh yeah, yeah we're, oh, we're yeah. just listening. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, we're, we're we're grabbing popcorn. We, yeah, we're I pulled I pulled up my beanbag chair. Yeah, <laughs> gather around, kids. Let me tell you a little story. Uh, light that fire, get it good. We're going to have some popcorn on there. Um, <laughs> You know, well, because it, it it wasn't like one day George Lucas woke up and said, you know, I'm done with this. Tag with it. Screw all you people and close the door on Star Wars. Uh, it, it was kind of, 
it, I, you know, I, I really think they were trying. And that, I think that was part of my frustration as a Star Wars fan. A lot of people just drifted away because they grew out of it or whatever. But me, I don't let anything go. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was there. I was right in the middle of it, stuck around. And, you know, because Return of the Jedi comes out, does great, land office business. Um, and then, you know, the next year, things are quieter. But there was still the comic, the Marvel comic was still around. Uh, the action figures were still being produced. We were still, you know, we were still kind of 84. We were still kind of riding off the the Return of the Jedi wave a little. You know, it wasn't dead. And then the Ewok adventure came out, I believe, in November of 94. If you guys have me anything better than that, I, you know, I'll, I'll take it. But I think that's right. Um and then we hit 85, you know, Ewok Adventure, uh, the, the uh, Battle for Endor comes out in November of 85. So, you know, there's some Star Wars thing at all points. And in fact, they, they reissued Jedi in 85 as well with the tagline, Return to a Galaxy Far, Far Away, which it, it made like 11 million bucks in that reissue, which was not, you know, for a reissue, not a terrible amount. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of still there. It was kind of still out there and a little Scott, was huh? was it in eighty five also when they launched the the first Power of the Force line, which of of, of Kenner stuff? Was that eighty five? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I see. This is where the, my Star Wars story stories really start coming out. Uh, because I have this horrible. This is awful. This is terrible. It was eighty five, and I can tell you exactly why it was eighty five. Um, when they came out. I remember seeing them buying or not buying them, but seeing them, you know, referred to in the, in the literature and, and, you know, and I thought, well, here we go. This is, this is the next late wave of figures. This is going to be great. And then they never showed up. Like they were never, we'd go to the store, look for I know there's a new line of figures. I know they've rebranded them. I know we're going to do, you know, and then I'd show up at the store and they're not there. And one day, I'm a freshman in high school. This is why I know it's 85. I'm a freshman in high school. It's the year and I was a born, Scott. Mine. Huh? It's the year I was born. Wow. <laughs> wow. A buddy of mine is has got a couple of figures out at his desk. We're in ninth grade. And uh, I said, wait a minute. Those are those new figures I've been looking for. What? Where'd you get those? And he goes, they've got them at Walmart. They got a ton of them. And they're all like 79 cents because they're blowing them out. No, I'm thinking, yeah, this is like, what, huh? So, and, and my, the first thing I say in my mind is, okay, Star Wars action figures are dead. The second thing I'm saying is, I got to get to Walmart now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm 14. I, I can't really go anywhere on my own. So I get home that afternoon. I'm like, Dad, we got to go to Walmart. That's okay. Well, let's go to Walmart. And I said, he said, why do you want to go to Walmart? I said, because they got all those brand new Star Wars figures and they're like 79 cents each. And I'm going to get them all. And he's, all of a sudden, I got the worst uh, probably most painful, awful, humiliating lecture from my dad about how I am in high school now and I got to get over this toy crap. Oh. And it just it just knocked me on the floor. And after he was done with that, he was like, uh, so we go into Walmart? And I was like, there doesn't really seem to be any reason. <laughs> and I didn't go. And eventually when I just happened to be at Walmart, I went over and took a look and the, the figures were already gone by then uh now jeff across the street from me he went and got them all because he was two years younger than i was and he didn't get that lecture from his dad yet um and, and, and in all honesty and i love my dad 
I think my dad is a wonderful guy. I think he was a great father to me. Uh, but that to me was a big misstep for him. And it's something, you know, I never, I've never done that with my kid mm. because it just, that was one thing where I said, you know, if he wants to grow out of something, he can grow out of it. If he doesn't want to grow out of it, that's fine too. Yeah. You know, it's okay for him to be him. And, uh, you know, you got to grow into certain things like being able to pay bills, get a job, you know, buy a car, buy a house, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, to grow out of a hobby, I, I, I didn't see the point of it, but it, it was really, I mean, it was kind of humiliating. So I didn't get those figures. And, and I noticed, though, that that was it. You know, and I could tell that when Walmart was blowing out the figures, I knew it was the end of the of the toy line. And then shortly after that, and that's, see, that's really when the dark, side, dark times just started kind of constricting on you because you got no movies in the pipeline. You got an Ewok movie in 84 and 85, but in 86, you don't have an Ewok movie. And then you've got those, you know, Ewok and Droids cartoon shows that show up on uh, ABC. And you sit down and watch that. And, you know, that's, and now we're at 86, right? And the Droids I really liked and the Ewoks. And I'm not a guy who bashes Ewoks. I'm not a guy who bashes Return of the Jedi, but oh, Ewoks was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst. Uh, and which one of the two did they renew for a second season? The one that was horrible. <laughs> right. So even I was just like, all right, you know, I generally consume and admire and appreciate every Star Wars thing. I can't even do the second season of Ewoks. I can't. I can't do it. So, um, you know, so 86, like I said, you got 83 with Jedi. You got 84 with more toys and an Ewok movie. And then 85, another Ewok movie, and the toys are their last hurrah. Now, 86, the toys are gone. The Ewok movies do not continue. Ewoks and droids shows up. Droids shows up for a blip, 13 episodes, I think, and then it's gone. So by the end of 86, oh, oh, and by 86, you know what else happened in 86? Mm. The Marvel series folded. Oh, that's right. And the Marvel series, that's a, a debate I was just having with my buddy Scott Gardner the other day from Two True Freaks Network. Is uh, To me, towards the end of that Marvel series, they brought in this uh, artist, Cynthia Martin, and I just hated the art. He's exactly the opposite. He thinks it was a big kick in the pants that the thing, you know, that the series needed. But I, the art was just detestable to me. They they had a cover that she drew of an Ewok with his foot on a stormtrooper helmet, and the stormtrooper helmet looked like a stormtrooper helmet that Dumb Donald from Fat Albert would wear. It doesn't, you know, it's, it completely doesn't look like a human head helmet. But uh, you know, it. So I was put off by that. So you know, there was kind of that decline in quality of what was coming out. And then there was that disappearing of things that were coming out. And so by the end of 86, that's really when everything just kind of went, ka we're done. And you still have the Ewoks. And then the next year, what is the next year? The 10th anniversary. What a horrible time to have a 10th anniversary. Because <laughs> yeah. everything's done. And, and they tried. I mean, think about it. This is the dark times we're talking about here, right? Right. So, so far, during the dark times, we've had two TV movies, two animated series, uh, an action figure line continuation, and 87 comes around for the 10th anniversary, and I think, well, there's going to be a big deal, right? Because in my mind, Star Wars was important to me. There is no internet, so I don't know that it's not important to everybody else, other than I'm noticing two things. One, the guys at school don't talk about it like they used to, and... When I go to the stores, I can't just turn around and buy something that says Star Wars on it. 
You know, it's becoming harder and harder to do that. Right. And so 87 comes around and think, well, it's 10th anniversary. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And there was stuff. But it was kind of, they put out the omnibus of the three adaptations in a 10th anniversary edition. I'm holding it right here in my fingers. And it's they, they came up with a 10th, you know, there's a 10th anniversary logo. Did you guys know there was a 10th anniversary logo? No. No. Yeah, it's like a little silver, like a coin, and it's Star Wars in the middle. It's just the first 10 years, and it's got 1977 to 1987 on it. Um, the reason I bought this omnibus, despite having a million copies of all of these novels already, is because I was going to buy whatever I could to support the 10th anniversary, um, including a, uh, a solo Hamilton collection plate with 24-karat gold trim. Uh, yes. And unfortunately, that broke during one of my moves in the 90s. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to say whether those things are worth anything at this point, but you, you got to think in 87, nobody was buying this stuff. Right. Um, I mean, you think about this. In 87, again, because they did try, they put out this poster, Suneo Sanda poster, that I didn't buy. You know why I didn't buy it? Like I said, I was going to support the 10th anniversary stuff, but I didn't buy it because... It says Star Wars on it, but it doesn't have a logo. It doesn't. It's just like in regular type. Oh. And I was like, yeah. And Suneo Sanda, I think, is a great artist, and I love the art on that poster. But I never bought the poster because I'm, like, I'm not getting that. It doesn't say Star Wars for real on it. Uh, they did do a Drew Struzan poster, but I didn't never. I didn't see that at the time. And you know, they did a convention, and some people actually call that Star Wars Celebration Zero. You know, huh. it was it was before Celebration One, obviously in '99. But right. they had a they had a convention in L.A. Uh, Starlog no was involved. Idea. Yeah, Lucas was there. Billy D was there. C three PO and RTD. Mayhew was there. Um, so again, tenth anniversary. They really were trying. They had it. It was in Los Angeles. You know what tickets were per day in advance? Mm, Twenty fifteen fifty. Like as in fifteen hundred and fifty dollars? No, fifteen dollars and fifty cents. Wow. <laughs> The weekend passes were 40 bucks. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. And this was, you know, this was, and it was, it was, by the way, anniversary weekend. It was May 23rd, 24th, 25th. Wow. Yeah. So this That's, was, you know, they were trying. Yeah. But again, but you don't, you don't know. Nobody was there. No. I, I mean, I don't know what attendance was like. I right. wasn't there. I think Richard Walensky was there. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's, Nobody really heard about it outside of a small circle. I knew it because I bought the Star Wars uh, anniversary issue of Starlog, which, again, at one point was considered a very rare issue because who wanted a Star Wars 10th anniversary issue of anything? Um, and, and I bought that, and it was there was a full-page ad in there because they were kind of one of the sponsors of the convention. But think about it. I mean, if this is a Star Wars convention that happened that nobody cared about. This is 1987. Now, again, the weird thing is... Even though Star Wars is dead and Star Wars barely exists to people, guess what? It's still do they're still doing stuff. Because you know what else happened in 1987? Star Tours opens. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They opened Star Tours, and you know, and I remember at the time saying, "Gosh, they're opening Star Tours." I don't understand who cares besides me. And they put it in California, not Florida, where I can't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it was like, but but again, so that. This this notion that they just hibernated the brand, really not true. They they certainly 
gave it a bit of a rest, but they did things with it. In fact, the other thing they did, and I know they billed it as a 10th anniversary project, but I don't think it actually came out till 88 because I was in college when it finally came out, was they were going to do a Star Wars 3D comic series. And Star Wars 3, Blackthorn was publishing Star Wars 3D. And, well, you want to talk about hard to get. I mean, I literally had a comic shop. I picked out a comic shop in Tallahassee when I got there uh, for college. And I ordered this thing, like specifically went and ordered it, you know, out of previews. Here, I want this. And still couldn't get every issue when they first came out. I think ultimately there were three issues. Uh, And they were, despite being in 3D, awful. They were horrible. <laughs> That's why I don't but, hear anybody uh, talking about them. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you something else. Again, you talk 1987. Again, remember, this is Star Wars is dead, right? But then Spaceballs comes out oh, in yeah. 1987. Yeah. And what I remember about when the movie came out was that was one of, I think, uh, Roger Ebert maybe, one of his criticisms of it was that, you know, this movie would have been great if Star Wars were still relevant. You know, Mel Brooks usually picks on things that are relevant, but this isn't relevant. You know, uh, we don't have any appetite for Star Wars anymore, so why is this movie out? Right. And But again, that's it. it there it was. So it was a strange era. Now, 87. Oh, the other thing that launches in 87. Guess what? What? West End Games role-playing game. Oh, like the RPG? The original West End Games Star Wars role-playing game was the first edition of it, which I also have right here. Now, how often do I play role-playing games? Never, but, (laughs) again, you know, it it wasn't like there were three new hardcovers and 48 paperbacks coming out this month, uh, in addition to 17 comic books. So you could spend the money on these things because there weren't many of them. But, um, yeah, the role-playing game, Got the 10th anniversary logo on the Star Wars role-playing game and on the source book. So I guess they came out right next to each other. And, uh, you know, it was really neat. It was really neat to have it because even though I'm not a guy who plays role-playing games, usually just because I always find other things to do, uh, you know, nothing against actual role-playing games. But, you know, part of the neatness was that they would quantify things in the Star Wars universe. You know, they would they would give background to stuff that you'd never really gotten a chance to get background from because you know the EU as it was at the time really consisted of Splinter, three solo novels, three Lando novels, and Marvel. Which you know I got nothing against Marvel because I love that Marvel series, the original Marvel series. But you know there wasn't a lot of background about what was in the film, and that's one thing that those the role playing games started to do is they really started to you know because we didn't have any other material, right. And so they would really start to expand that universe that we saw in the uh, in the films. You know, that's where you started seeing things like Panda Baba, who was just Walrus Man. You know, you started to see Doctor Evazon, who was just that other guy with Walrus Man. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you didn't, you didn't get a cool name. Yeah, no, you know, Momon Nadon was just Hammerhead all these years, and now he's got a name and a backstory, and you know, these things start to. To material, so it was really neat to to kind of buy the role playing stuff because of that. Even though I wasn't really a guy who spent my time playing role playing games, uh, but again, this is all that big push of eighty seven, and then eighty eight, you got that trickle of Star Wars three D, and then there's really not a lot there. 
it just it really does get quiet. But I always felt like it wasn't just because, well, we're going to arrest the brand, but more it had to do to me with the fact that the public just kind of gave up on Star Wars. And, you know, part of it was probably the Reagan era when he started, you know, he didn't actually call it that, but the press called his SDI program Star Wars. And so people started thinking of when they thought Star Wars, they thought SDI instead of, you know, real Star Wars. And I think it probably diminished the brand a little. And here, here I am, you know, 88, it's not a lot of Star Wars for other people, but you know what, again, here I, let, let's, let's get into this. Christmas of 88. This is, this is really turning into a My Star Wars Story episode. I'm sorry about this, guys. Uh, I'm just going through the timeline here. Christmas of 88. Again, me versus dad. <laughs> uh, my grandmother, every year at Christmas, would always give all of the men in the house, in the family, $100. And so Christmas of 88 was my first Christmas as a man. You know, I was 18. Right. And so I got my first $100 Christmas gift for my grandmother. And we just, boy, I just, $100. You know, which which today when people say $100, that's what like a kid's allowance every week now. But, <laughs> you know, for us back then, it was like $100, you know, three digits. What can I do with that? I mean, I remember going on a vacation one year as a, you know, like 12, 13-year-old saving $55 and just thinking I, had, I could buy anything in the world that I want. Bring right. it to me. So... <laughs> You know, I had $100 from grandma. And so I went to work at the music store I worked, and we had Star Wars. That was the only movie we kept in stock on VHS was Star Wars, you know, as far as the, the trilogy goes. We didn't have the other two. And uh, it was twenty nine ninety five, but I got a discount down to 23 bucks. And so with my $100, I bought Star Wars for 23 bucks on VHS because all I had were things I taped off of TV. Mm, yeah. And um, then... Like a couple of days later, Walmart again and dad again. Wow. I didn't even see the connection between my dad and Walmart. See, this is why this episode's good for me. <laughs> this is really, this is helping me. I'm working through some issues. I should probably, there's not a couch in here, but if you hear a weird sound, it's just me lying down so we can get this out of my system here. Um, Carl, Carl, call Greg up. He, Car, Greg is Carl's Star Wars therapist. So we need to okay. get Greg in here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but no, so I, so I go to Walmart and they've got Empire and Jedi for like eighteen something each. Now remember, I had a hundred dollars. Right, I still have about seventy five of that. So I bought Empire and Jedi. I'm like, I own Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is it's mine. Which you know, oh, again, as a kid, yeah, the closest you have as a kid was that little Kenner thing with the with the uh, the cartridge that you slide in and you crank it. <laughs> you know, it's got like, you know, 90 seconds of film in it or whatever, and that's it. Uh, this is, I own all three films. I was so proud of myself. I <laughs> and, and I took them home, and Dad's like, what did you buy? I, was, I bought all the Star Wars films. I have them all now. And Dad, again, your grandmother gave you that money so you can help yourself in college. She didn't give it to you so you could buy Star Wars crap. And I'm like, actually, she gave it to me for Christmas. That was the only thing she said about it. Here, Merry Christmas. So, you know, I'm like, Dad, you bought a knife with yours. What, what's a knife going to do? So, I, you know, I and I went off to, but here's the problem. I went back off to college because it was the middle of my freshman year in college. And I get back to college and I realize I don't have a VCR. Oh, man. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I don't, I don't own a VCR. It's 1988. Who owns a VCR except people with, you know, who are rich? So, uh, so actually, 
one day I wanted to watch my Star Wars movies, and I went. It is insane. You had to pay like forty dollars to rent a VCR overnight. Wow. And I rented a VCR and I put my Star Wars tapes. And I watched the first one and it tried to mangle my tape. Did you have a TV? Well, I um, did. I had a t- I, yes, okay. I had a twelve-inch black and white TV. <laughs> uh, so wait, you were going to watch these in black and white then? Well, yeah, I only watched the l- little bit. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I take that back because for Christmas I got a 13-inch color TV. That's right. Oh, it was my brand new 13-inch woo. color TV with a somewhat digital tuner on it. And um, moving up but, in the world. Yeah, but so I had, but I again when it tried to eat my tape, I was like, I'm not playing my tapes in this. This is crazy. I'm lose my tape. And so I basically paid forty dollars to watch the first ninety seconds of Star Wars. And, <laughs> But so you I got through I the this, crawl, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And I made this big plan. I'm like, you know, I've seen, and I started totaling things up. I'm like, I've seen Star Wars 45 times. And it, it turned out I had seen all of the films combined 97 times. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, it, it, add them all together. So I was like, right. you know what I'm going to do? At the library at college, which is a walk away from my dorm room. They have VCRs and these little nine-inch Sony Trinitrons. And so I'm going to take over a study carol for a day at the library. So I take my little tapes and my bag and some snacks and some headphones. (laughs) And I figure, here's what I'm doing. Watch Star Wars, Empire, Jedi. And at the end of it, I will have seen a Star Wars film a hundred times. You know, it would be 98, 99, 100. And so I literally camped out one Saturday at the college library at Florida State, Strozier Library, and uh, and watched the trilogy on a nine-inch Sony Trinitron TV in a study carol with headphones on, all straight through. Wow, so- <laughs> that's an awesome story. <laughs> now you know what what intrigues me about all Is of this. I had no friends in college, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't be doing something with someone? No, I couldn't. That was what I was doing. What just what I'm interested in, though, is, you know, I think, and, and th- again, this comes out of just listening to some of the folks that have been on your show, um, mm-hmm. right? I think for a lot of people, right, when when Jedi was out of the theaters, yes, you know, the Ewok films were out. There, there were the, the cartoon series that didn't last very long. But more mm-hmm. than anything, when the toys kind of left the shelf, and, you know, right when you got into that as a kid, you, you played with the toys. That was kind of what energized the story when you couldn't be watching the film, which was pretty much always, right? Like, today, it's so easy. I can throw on a Star Wars movie on my freaking phone yeah. if I want to, whenever well, I want. Um, so what was it still, though, that kept your teeth sunk into it enough that you you had to hunt down the, you know, I mean, you had to have the VHSs. You had to reserve a study carol for the day, even <laughs> as a freshman in college. You know, what was yeah. it that still kept you invested, um, even though you probably, I mean, you weren't probably playing with the toys anymore. No, I wasn't playing with the toys. And, and in all honesty, you know, for me, it was always story. And that's why, you know, when I look at my bookshelf, uh, my bookshelf's insane, and I watch other guys display their bookshelves on the internet, and I go, <laughs> so cute. Because um, it, it's always been kind of about the storytelling. Even the play, even playing was about storytelling. Right. You know, it was oh, about yeah. exploring the characters, and, you know, we, we didn't know how to articulate that at eight years old, but but that's what it was. And so it it, it really occurred to me along and along that it was really, to me, about the storytelling in and of itself. And that's why it wasn't just, you know, when you say as a kid, you know, when you weren't watching the movie, 
you had the action figures, but it wasn't just that because Marvel Star Wars and you know this this is about the dark time, so you know I didn't include this in my storytelling. But Marvel, as a kid, Marvel Star Wars was Star Wars to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it 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 frustrates the living daylights out of me when people just pound on it and pound on it and pound on it like they sometimes do, uh, because it it was Star Wars. There was the story was still going on, and they always did not a perfect job, but they always did a a. You could always tell they were doing their best to try and make it dovetail with the films as well as they could. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the in the uh, early stages of the series, they got Solo out of debt to Jabba the Hut. Whoops! <laughs> so they actually came up with a reason a few months before Empire Strikes Back to get him back in debt. You know, they they were working on trying to make that happen. So, I mean, to me, Star Wars was going on not just when I would play as a kid, but also every month when I, well, and sometimes not every month, sometimes I couldn't find it for a couple of months, and then I'd hit the right convenience store because, you know, we didn't have the local comic shop at the time. It was literally what convenience store had a great comic rack. And mm. can can I get mom to actually take me to this one today? And uh, so so the comic was really important for taking the story as well. Um, after that was over, I, I don't know if it was just plain stubbornness. Um, you know, because, you know, being in talk radio, you're not stubborn at all, are you? No, no not at all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and that, but that's, you know, a lot of it was there was always something, as, as I've kind of explained to you guys. And, and probably I've explained that there was more than people really think there was during the dark times. Um, and that something was always just enough. And, you know, I think a lot of us who are Star Wars fans, and, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you guys are, are, are a bit younger than I am, so you may come at it from a different perspective, but while Star Wars was a mainstream thing at the time it came out, uh, a lot of us who are Star Wars fans have always been somewhat outsiders. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And we've always had that just that one little thing. We don't quite fit with everybody. You know, at, at my age, I should be uh, I should be out on the golf course on Saturday morning smoking cigars and, you know, talking about my latest par four, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm not. I love Star Wars stuff. You know, I love doing Star Wars things. I love hitting the comic shops. I love, you know, so we're, we're, we don't always fit in. And we are unique. And I think a lot of us are proud of our uniqueness. So when Star Wars went away, it really, to me, one of the reasons I think that I kind of had to keep going on was it did still make me unique because everybody mm. else was moving on. And I wasn't. I was still me. And this was a thing that I was going to keep doing. So there was just enough material to keep me going while at the same time, you know, that that whole, look, I'm a little different than you aspect of it was able to be serviced probably even more because nobody was doing Star Wars that I knew. So this is my thing. You know, I'm the Star Wars guy. (laughs) You know, that's it's. Oh, you want to, you got a question about Star Wars? Well, nobody has a question about Star Wars these days, but shoot, please bring it on because I am the Star Wars guy. And uh, so I, I think there was that aspect to it. That, again, it wasn't as barren a wasteland as, you know, it's kind of made out to be. 
it was full of things that that were mostly not real successful. Although I think Star Tours was a home run. Hmm. Um, but again, you know, there got to be a point where if you wanted a Star Wars toy, you had to go to Disney and buy a Star Wars toy in the gift shop after Star Wars, because that was all there was. Um, but so I mean, you know, I think I think being the outsider, I, I think that kind of fueled it, and I think again there was just enough stuff to keep going. That's that's the answer to that question. I think is that a, is that a good answer or a bad answer? Try again. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean I think that's a great answer, and I mean what I've already learned so much is I just I like the way you've put it that there was a lot more out there than folks kind of give credit for, yeah. um, and uh, you know I think, but what's different though, Scott? You know which which I think is easily debatable is what was being given though was for a very in a way childish audience like the Ewok movies are very kid friendly. Those, yeah. I, I've actually never seen an episode of Droid, so I have no opinion of it. I used well, to, I used to love Ewoks when I was little. When I first uh, got into Star Wars, and they used to play it on sci- the Sci Fi Channel in the morning. I'd watch it every. I would get up extra early before school to watch at least one episode before I had to go to school. Wait, they would show Ewoks every day. I'm almost. Maybe it wasn't every day. Maybe it was once. Well, a I mean, week. it might have been. But you know, I'm just thinking because there are only like 26 episodes. <laughs> they burned well, through those in like a month yeah, and a half. Yeah, I mean, they were obviously uh, reruns, so maybe it was just once a week. Um, I don't know. It, it could well have been every day. Yeah, but I, I watched a few of them a couple of years ago, and I'm like, oh my god, these are horrible. Oh, they were they were terrible. Um, uh, and just and, and to be honest with you, that crushed me because I was a guy again because we take pride in being different. I think a lot of us. And I was a guy who, when my colleagues were dumping on Jedi because of the Ewoks, I said, no, the Ewoks are fine. They're wonderful. Come on, look at them. They're destroying the Empire. That's a great thing. And so to defend them as ardently as I did against you know people of my age, only to have that series come out and be everything that everybody hated about the Ewoks... <laughs> was like oh boy you know this is oh boy i've been i've been making this argument only to find out that, that my argument is now invalid right and right. that was frustrating yeah. that, it, it, that was frustrating i didn't like that yeah you know um i always loved the ewok movies i i haven't seen caravan of courage and i don't know how long probably since i was a kid i've watched Bat- i watched battle of endor once in college and then again in graduate school mm-hmm. um and i i still enjoyed it to be fair i might have had a couple of beers in me, but um, <laughs> but I, I remember really enjoying it. It's been a while. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just I think that's very interesting because in a way what you're getting product wise is for young people, but the young people are now getting older. So in a way, that's not going to harness them in. Um, no. So it's just, yeah, I just find that very interesting. And, you know, to be fair, like, so now we, to be fair right now is a very different era in Star Wars. And in and, and a minute here, I yeah. do kind of want to switch to kind of just talking about the, the, the difference between these two eras. Um, but, you know, I mean, something right now that's, you know, it comes out every week is Forces of Destiny. I've watched like four mm-hmm. of those. I, I don't like them, but not because I think they're inherently bad. I just, I don't feel like I'm their audience, right? It's, it's more, yeah. it's for the you know, very young Star Wars fan. And I know sure. a lot of young kids love them. Um, I mean, I, I have a friend with a couple of younger kids and they absolutely enjoy um, every second of Forces of Destiny. They love it every week. I mean, again, I've watched four episodes. I have no inclination to watch anymore. I mean, I know there are adult fans that also really enjoy it. I don't, um, but I also don't feel like 
it's it's an offensive medium of Star Wars. I understand that it's just it's for it's catered to a specific audience. It's certainly accessible to anyone, but yeah. you know it's not catering to me at all, and and I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, and that's that is one of the differences uh, between modern Star Wars and, and previous Star Wars is that you pretty much had one Star Wars. This is your Star Wars. Come get it or don't like it. And now you have different products for different people, different things. Some things are more adult. Some things are, you know, the novels. In fact, one of the reasons I've kind of backed off a lot of novels, I've gotten a little too adult in some aspects. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want that out of my Star Wars. So they really have done a, a uh, I guess, a good job of tailoring Star Wars to different tastes. You know, this is your Star Wars, but this is yours. You know, we've right. got Shakespeare. we got, uh, you know, uh, Desher's uh, Shakespeare Star Wars, and we've got the comic Star Wars, and we've got the Kitty comic. IDW which, publishes Star Wars comics, you know. Which, by the way, I love the Shakespeare Star Wars. Yeah, stuff. see? Yeah, I, I've got them all. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've backed off of some of the books in the last year or two, but uh, I did I did pick those up. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the difference. There's, there's, I, I hate this word cause it's such a buzzword, but there is more of a diversity of product out there now than there once was. And I think that's, you know, that, that is one of the big differences in this era. And, and it's obviously it's successful because now star Wars really can be whatever you want it to be because you can put it together out of what's out there that appeals to you, and then you can ignore the rest of it. Uh, you know, back in the dark times that we've been talking about, as I mentioned, I literally bought almost everything that came out because that was all there was. Right. And now, now, now no one can hope to buy everything that comes out. They, they really have to kind of pick the, the thing about Star Wars they enjoy and prefer and just pursue that because you're not going to get everything. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm buying role-playing game books. I never played a role-playing game, but by golly, I've got all the books. You know, um, the uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to zip through the rest of the timeline here. There was a thing that started, and it was I noticed because you know, again, I knew I was all alone Star Wars wise. I knew other people would pay lip service. Oh yes, sure, I like Star Wars, and they but they couldn't, you know, they couldn't discuss it. Right. Uh, but but a thing started to happen. And I couldn't tell you exactly how it happened, but there was this weird thing. And I remember my girlfriend in, in college coming to me one day, and this is a couple of years into college now. I'm not, the, I'm not the freshman that knows no one and sits at a kiosk with a nine-inch TV watching the trilogy. Um, my girlfriend comes to me one day and she says, oh, Mugs and Movies, they, did a, they would show a video. They project a video on the screen, big screen, every Saturday night. And she said, Mugs and Movies is doing Star Wars this week. And so, you know, we'd go to that because it would be like a midnight Saturday night. And, you know, it'd be a few people and it'd get loud and obnoxious and kind of funny. And then, we'd you know, you'd leave and go about your business. Well, we went to the Mugs and Movies with the Star Wars on Saturday night. And we could barely get in the place. And this is, it's dead. Remember, it's dead. No one cares about it. Uh-huh. We could barely get in. And they are literally showing crappy pan and scan low-resolution VHS blown up onto a movie screen. And the place is packed. And the crowd is going crazy at every moment they're supposed to go crazy. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, something is weird. 
this is not supposed to be happening. Star Wars is not Star Wars is mine right now and mine alone because nobody else cares. But yet, something's happening in this room. And a little bit later, I went to the comic shop and there was this Marvel, this annual, like a preview issue of Marvel. They just went through all the stuff. Here's what's coming up next year at Marvel Comics. And there was this thing called Star Wars Dark Empire number one that was going to come out next year on Marvel. And I was like, wait, Marvel's picking up Star Wars again? This is crazy. Well, of course, that never came out because I was, you know, keeping an eye on it. Never Marvel, you know, it didn't become a Marvel project. You know what it came later. Um, and then as I'm scanning through previews, I see in three months, now we're in early 91, that in May, they're putting out a Star Wars novel. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? And it's a, it's post Jedi. It's like five years after Jedi. We get to pick up Luke and, and, and Leia and everybody after Return of the Jedi. Well, this is crazy. And I, and I remember seeing the ad going, nobody's going to buy this. I'm the only one who cares. <laughs> and so I went to my comic shop in Tallahassee, and I placed my order and pre-ordered this book. Again, because I'm a man of great foresight who bought a trilogy of movies without having a video cassette player, um, <laughs> I forgot that the book came out in May and I was getting out of college in April. So, yeah, so I was home when the book came out. (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, it's there. It'll be there in August when I get there. But I'm not waiting until August. Well, fortunately, I worked in the mall. and We were just down the mall from Walden Books. So I said, well, the book's out. And here's the thing. I worked in uh, Camelot Music. Do you guys remember Camelot Music at all? Never heard of it. Never never heard of it. Okay. It was one of the bigger music chains. It got swallowed up by the big corporations later, but great company to work for at the time. Um, But being in the music industry, I knew how certain things worked. If a really big artist came out with an album, it, you got it UPS in its own box the day before it was supposed to come out. And you had piles of it to put out on the street day. Right. But if some John Schmo just happened to be releasing something on Tuesday, you wouldn't get that separately. You'd get that in the big pack. You know, you'd get that in the big shipment for the week. And you'd put it out along with all the other crap you got. And that's kind of how I was thinking the Star Wars book was. I was like, well, they're not going to have it on street day. Because, you know, it's Star Wars. Nobody cares about Star Wars. So I called my buddy at Walden Books just on a hunch the day it came out. Because, again, my copy's in Tallahassee and I'm in Brunswick. I called my buddy at Walden Books and said, hey, uh, that Star Wars book's supposed to come out today. Are you guys actually going to get it today? He goes, dude. It's gone. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, we sold out. I said, what'd you get? Like one or two copies? He goes, no. We got a dump bin, which for those of you who know, don't know the, the terminology, it's, that's those big cardboard displays where they you know, put all the books in there. We got a dump of that book. We put it out front. It's gone. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the only like, one who likes know. this. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, what do you mean it's gone? He's like, there's like a dozen of them in there. We we sold them. They're done. I was like, but just you, you've been open for two hours. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. I said, this this is this can't be. This is so. I called a buddy of mine who owned another bookstore across town. I said, do you have any of these Star Wars books? He goes, yeah, I got one left, but I was saving it for me. I said, but I don't have one. You know, I'm Star Wars. You know. <laughs> and, and, He's like, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll get another one in the, I'll get, you know, from the next order. I'll sell you this one if you can get over here in the next hour. So I was like, all right, guys, I got to take my lunch break now. I'll see you later. Toast. 
flee across town, get the book, start pouring into it. Um, and I'm, and I'm transfixed by it at first, you know, like the first couple of chapters, I'm just eating up and I, and I, I'd lost a lot of momentum as I went through the book. I'll be honest with you, but just the fact that it was there, I was tickled. I was ecstatic. And we got the Sunday paper and every week throughout that summer, summer, I would, they would publish the New York Times bestseller list and I would flip to the New York Times bestseller. And that thing was in the best, you know, like in the top three all summer. You know, it was like this week it's two, this week it's three, this week it's one, this time it's two again, this one again. And it just, it would not stop selling. And that's when I went, okay, something has dramatically changed in our culture. People are eating Star Wars up again. Star Wars books, licensed tie-ins don't top the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. In that day and age, they really didn't. You know, you sold your Star Trek books every month and that kind of stuff, but you didn't just blow out the bestseller list. And it just sat there and sat there. and sat. Of course, it was the only one out, you know. Um, and, and that's when I said, okay, things are starting to happen. And from there, really quickly, obviously, Dark Empire came out. Dark Horse got that license. That project that was going to be at Marvel wound up at Dark Horse. Um, and then people started experimenting with the toys. The Bendem figures came out. Do you remember the Bendems? Dude, I love my Bendems. <laughs> and uh, uh, with that, Star Wars, you know, Tops went back and said, hey, let's, let's give the, these trading cards a try. And then uh, what I think was a very significant development that nobody really talks about anymore, the, you know, the micro machines came out, the micro machines were huge. But right after the Micro Machines, there's one thing that nobody really talks about. And because it was kind of a failed toy line, but it was also, it also greased the skids, and that is Action Masters. Do you remember Action Masters? I don't think I've ever heard of them. Don't know. Action Masters were small die-cast figures. You remember the Micro Collection? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Very yeah. similar to the Micro Collection in appearance. The important thing about Action Masters was they came out... 93, they were made by Kenner. It was the first time since the original toy line folded that Kenner had produced a Star Wars toy. And that was, that was huge to me. I was like, wait a minute, Kenner is making Star Wars toys? And obviously they saw that same leap. And they were like, hmm, we're making Star Wars toys. Hmm. And, you know, before then, by 95, they've got the power of the force line out there. And then it's off to the races. I mean, then your Star Wars is back. Special edition notwithstanding. You know, uh, special edition obviously came out in on July 31st, 1997. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was uh, it, it lit up the box office like it wasn't supposed to. And I remember right. we went down to Jacksonville to see it because I didn't. I didn't think enough of the theaters here. I didn't think we had very nice theaters in Brunswick. So I was like, we'll go down to Jacksonville and see it. We couldn't get a seat. It was another one of those weird things. It's like, we can't, we can't find a place to sit. It's packed. And the theater's not any better than Brunswick's theater because it's just crummy. But, you know, again, it was just that thing where Star Wars is blowing up and, and everybody, including me, were all underestimating it. And then suddenly I'm at college and I'm finding Star Wars friends. I didn't have Star Wars friends before I was the only guy. Now all of a sudden they're starting to come out. It was really, 
it was really cool watching the end of that really, really dark night, you know, that sunrise. Mm. And all of a sudden, there are people there who suddenly love this thing that you always loved. And they always loved it. But we never we never saw each other, never communicated. Nobody was out front about it. You know, you couldn't pick out the Star Wars people by the T-shirts. You know, it was uh, it was a really it was a really special time to see the fog kind of lift on Star Wars and the dark times there. That's how I kind of brought it to a close. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's awesome. No, yeah. I mean, I never realized, you know, just, you know, when I hear of the dark times, I think there was literally nothing. You know, you, yeah. you had the Power of the Force line toys in, you know, in 85 um, yeah. with the re-release of Return of the Jedi. And then that was essentially it till 91 with Heir to the Empire. But even that was still... I mean, I knew it was popular, and it was on the best, you know, the the, the bestsellers list for a while. But I didn't yeah, realize it like how big go it. Away. Yeah, I just I didn't realize like how big it all still was during that time period. Yeah, when when that book blew up, that's when I was like, okay, this is this is a thing now. I've got company again. You know, I'm not by myself anymore. Yeah, Luke, we're was, gonna have company. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the book. Yes, bring it, bring the book. Uh, you know, there's there's a hundred stories that I can tell in the middle of all this, but you know that that's the outline basically. I, I know you know this is not a five hour podcast, but uh, but I will tell you this also. Ninety three, November of ninety three, I was out of college. I was working a couple of jobs, you know, just trying to get my feet on the ground as an adult. And my parents decided we were going to do uh, a trip to Disney World, which we had not done as a family in you know. 10 years or so, 10 or 12 years. And the studios had opened up and I'd never been to the studios and they had to open a star tours in Florida at the studios. And when I got on star tours, very similar actually to my, almost my experience at secrets of the empire, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, you know, I'm in star. When I was on star tours, the first thing you guys have done star tours, surely. Uh, just, I did it for the first time in Anaheim a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, the original Star Tours that came out, it was like, you know, you're on a motion simulator. Motion simulators were not really a thing then. And I just remembered, like, tearing up going, I'm in Star Wars. Mm. You know, this is what I always wanted. I wanted to be in Star Wars, and I'm there. I'm in Star Wars. Uh, so, you know, Star Tours always is going to have a special place for me because that was the first time I was in Star Wars. Now, Secrets of the Empire, you need to do an episode on that. You guys need to get down there to Florida and do Secrets of the Empire, like now. Do you want to just send us there next? You know? <laughs> he, he got his ranch I, over you know, It's funny because I, I think that's like my thing now is to go spread Star Wars love. We were, we were down there about a, a little over a month ago, and we wanted to do this, but we we're also going to meet up with a couple of friends. And my wife was like, well, we won't buy tickets in advance. We'll just walk right up. Well, you can't. And we got there. We thought we'd go at 7 o'clock. They're like, we don't have anything open. You're going to have to buy your tickets in advance and come back later. And the tickets were for like 10.45 or 11. And uh, we were going to meet a buddy of mine at like 10. And so I didn't want to meet with him for 15, 20 minutes and go take off and do this. And I knew he's a cast member down there and he doesn't have the money. You know, they don't pay them. And he had his son with him. And I was like, you know what, honey? Let's just bring them two of them. So we paid for their tickets and, uh, and, and took them with us on Secrets of the Empire. We had the best time. Holy cow. It's another one of those. If I were not so busy shooting stormtroopers, I probably would have started tearing up again. <laughs> it, 
it, it's the best. It's a, it's an amazing experience. That's awesome. Wow. Run, don't walk. Run, don't walk. Yeah, well, you know, it's like you know, when my first time writing Star Tours, my thought was, I'm in Star Wars now. You are in Star. You are living Star Wars on Secrets of the Empire. You are shooting stormtroopers. You are face to face with Darth Vader. You are, you know, running around in this Imperial base. Uh, it, there's nothing like it out there. There's never been anything like it out there. And the, this is baby technology, which means it's only going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but that's not what you brought me on here to talk about. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just for the sake of time, cause I, I, I want to start wrapping up here shortly. Um, but you know, just just listening to all of that, I mean, and and I I really appreciate all that you shared. It, it, I just I yeah. you know I it's so it in post. <laughs> say yeah, that's not happening. Let's take half of that junk out, please. Get it out. <laughs> I don't do I don't do any edits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I love I love love listening to to the people who kind of grew up with it in that period. In it's kind of original state, you know, um, and I think in some ways, you know, there are a lot of older fans and I'm not counting you among this particular population, Scott, but there's a lot of older fans that for them, that is the only version of Star Wars, right? It, it cannot change. You know, they rejected oh. the prequels. They continue to reject oh, the sequels. No. Um, and I, and I, I don't the prequels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Us too. <laughs> yes. I absolutely. Adore the prequels. I, yeah, I just I adore George Lucas. I mean, yeah. I'm just a fan of George Lucas's. I, I love what he does. You know, that if I were to knock the sequel trilogy, the only thing I would really say is just, I just wish I knew what George would have done. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's not really a knock on him. It's just that thought is always in my mind because I'm just fascinated in what he does as an artist. Yeah. I cannot wait till he gets his museum up oh, and running. Yeah. Another thing that I can't go see on the West Coast. Thanks, George. <laughs> you know, we, he could have had some land here in South Georgia. We'd have given it to him plenty. You know, we got we got plenty of it here. But no, Los Angeles, <laughs> go where there are people. I don't understand that. But you know, yeah, <laughs> that's not for me to understand, I guess. But no, you know, really quickly because I I think you brought up something interesting. There before, and I, and I know you want to wrap this thing up because we've been going. I've been going on and on and on and on and on. Um, but you, you know, you talked about the kind of the difference between that dark time and that kind of semi-dark time between the end of Revenge of the Sith and, and the Force Awakens kind of coming up or Disney era kicking off. Uh, and I think you know the difference was once Star Wars was back, it it may have diminished a little. But by diminished, it means that, you know, when we went to Celebration, there were 30,000 people there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, a small event in a small hotel. It was a big event in a big convention center that, that has certainly gotten bigger since. But it wasn't anything to sneeze at during those dark times. We had a TV show. We had a continuing publishing program. Uh, we had a continuing comics publishing program. Uh, the T-shirts were insane. I mean, the, the number of people before the Disney acquisition that I could just walk around town and see in Star Wars t-shirts was crazy. You know, there, the, there were high end products and Don post studios got back in the mix and you know, all these, all these kind you know, general giant comes around and you know, all of these folks, there was so much star Wars during that era 
that you still had to kind of choose your channel and you choose your avenue of what you wanted to do because no way you're getting it all. Um, whereas in, in those late 80s, early 90s period, there really was, you had a really strong chance of being able to get everything because there wasn't yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got looked at as an outsider. And, and by the time of this other dark times, if you had a Star Wars shirt on, you were kind of, you were cool. You know, you were hip. Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't the case if you had a Star Wars shirt on in 1989. Right. Trust me. Right. If you could find a Star Wars shirt. Yeah. That's the year I was born. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is such a big difference. And you hear this a lot, even from fans my age, and, and maybe even a little bit of your, for your case too, Jason. I mean, even when I was in like high school or, or certainly middle school, if I had a Star Wars shirt on, I'd... I, I wouldn't go so far as to say be bullied. I wouldn't be bullied, but I would definitely be picked on or you weren't seen as a cool kid if you liked Star Wars. Still, when I was in middle school and even much of high school, and most of high school I was actually pretty quiet about it just because of being picked on in middle school. Um, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't until college that it really started to blossom out again because I met friends that also liked Star Wars. Yeah, But you know, having now worked with middle schoolers through high schoolers and now college students – um, but even a few years ago, working with middle schoolers and high school students, and, and now that Star Wars is something very different culturally, again, um, it's totally cool to be a Star Wars fan. Um, you know, you're not going to get picked on. I mean, yes, there's still like some, you know, fringe jocks who just don't understand it and only understand how to catch balls. Um, and therefore, you know, something like Star Wars eludes them. But, you know, overall... You know, it's mm. it's certainly acceptable in a way that yeah, it certainly wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even just thinking about, you know, it's I mean, to be fair, culture is very different today in 2018 than it was in, you know, 1985. Mm. Um, the the amount of information we have, the access to information that we have is is leaps and bounds ahead of that. So Star Wars is so accessible, not just, you know, just in the simplicity of, like I said earlier, I can watch Star Wars whenever and wherever I want. That was yeah. not a reality even when I was a kid. Um, no, let alone pull out you, your phone and watch Star Wars, right? Um, right. And and but now, I mean, how do you know I haven't been watching it while we've been talking? That's true. I, I almost mean, I, put I it on the TV for mood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So it's it's just a very different time, and and you know, like like we said, you know that that. That interim between Revenge of the Sith and and Force Awakens, it was never it was never dead though in the way you know no. it kind of was not that it was ever clearly as you've pointed out Scott it was never really dead but it wasn't no. quiet in the same way right I mean you had video games no. now you had oh, uh, you know constant I video games yeah, yeah I mean a yeah. constant flood of of books still uh, and, and and Clone Wars right so yep. like there was so much still going on. Um, that was different, yeah. but the the one yeah. thing. Uh, go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say, and it was happening at a smaller scale. I mean, look, the, the book sales were not uh, during that time period. They were not heir to the Empire's book sales. You know, the comic sales, and and I've been because I'm an idiot and I do stupid things like this. I've actually been making a chart of uh, comic monthly Star Wars comic sales over the course of of uh, well over the as far back as John Jackson Miller's website will go as far as sales figures go. <laughs> uh, I've been making a, I've been working on a spreadsheet that shows every monthly sale of every Star Wars comic um, just because I'm curious to see kind of how it goes. And yeah, you know, over over time, 
those numbers were dramatically lower. You know, even from the beginning of the prequels to the end of the prequels, I'd say Dark Horse was probably selling about half as many Star Wars comics. So the numbers were down, but they were still they were still steady. It didn't, you know, it wasn't like oh here's here's a book and it's actually just three books you already bought before, and here's a poster, but we didn't go to the trouble of putting our logo on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's. It, it, it's been very different, very different. The, the licensing program has been active the entire time. And I think one of the interesting things, at least for me, is that post-Revenge of the Sith, when we thought it was all over as far as movies was concerned, um, and we were still looking forward to you know the, the ongoing adventures that were being talked about in the, the literature, and then, of course, yep. the, the TV shows that we were supposed to be getting, Clone Wars and that live-action show that Mm-hmm. Has finally now been greenlit, um, but uh, well, but is that, it that was, it's not that live action show though, is it? Well, I don't know. Eight, the John Favreau live action show, I think, is very different from the Lucas live action show, isn't it? Possibly, I don't. I would know. still, I'd love to get access to what they wrote for that Lucas live action show. There's supposed to be a bunch of scripts sitting on a shelf yes. somewhere, years worth supposedly. Yeah, uh, um, but. But one of the fascinating things about that was that was when fans kind of took it on themselves to continue it yes. with things like podcasts. And yep. that's when – And fan films. Don't forget the fan films. Yep. Oh, fan films. Those were huge at that time. Man, when um, Troops came out, I could not get enough of it. Troops yeah. was great. I thought Troops was the best thing on earth. And that's – and that's where I started to get involved. I mean, I enjoyed Star Wars. I was still the Star Wars kid. I was always reading everything. I get my hands on, you know, collecting mm-hmm. the toys and everything, you know, through the prequels and everything. But I started getting involved and starting to interact post Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. When when things were calming down on the the public level, so to speak, and it was, you know, you go in the back door and all the nerds are having the fun time. You know, the geeks and the nerds are having a fun time with all their stuff out here. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of sidle in the side door there and say, hey, you know, I'm and I got involved that way. So and sure. and, and that was one of those things where that was when I first started really getting connected with people with all this stuff. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of those interesting phenomenons that happened where fandom decided to kind of take over yeah. the, the continuation of this thing. Yeah, and then they announced, "Oh, hey, Disney's bought the whole thing, and we're bringing it back to the big screen." And we kind of just went, "Okay, great, we'll ride this wave and and move forward." So you know, that was well, that was kind of one of those fascinating things. Yeah, well, and, and it's interesting you mentioned that because Star Wars has really a lot of it has transformed with the fan base. In that, you know, like I told you during the dark times, I was I was alone, and I was perfectly happy to be alone with star wars and now we kind of keep each other going you know we have these conversations we read these you know i go to i go to joey tavano's website retro zap and i read all these really cool articles or you know coffee with kenobi's website and uh and read these great articles that are thoughtful and kind of look at things a different way than i normally do and you know that inspires me to to think about it more and then i start you know i'll put something out there a podcast or i'll show up you know talk to you guys about stuff and you know i think i'm showing you guys some things you hadn't seen in a way that you haven't seen it before and mm-hmm. so you know nowadays fan you know when i my first celebration was celebration five and i was happy to go 
just me and my son and leave just me and my son. And then six, I came back with a bunch of new friends. And, you know, I've been going to these events now and making new friends ever since, you know, and, and I joined the podcast community and I made a bunch of new friends for which I'm eternally thankful. And I'm glad to know you guys. I'm glad to know Glosson sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I, I was glad to be able to shake Steven's hand, a uh, Skaldron from uh, Roku Depot, um, who, God, what do you think he's going to say about this episode? Like, Rifen goes on forever and drones on and on. But he said nice things about me. Thumbs up. Um, you know, I value people like him because he really opens up the door, too. He uses his platform instead of selfishly using it to promote himself. He uses his platform really to, to, to push all of us guys. Yeah, you know, and and again, I just think that's remarkable. I, I've just met, gotten to meet so many remarkable people who have made my life richer. And so, you know, for all the all the discord and all the you know gnashing of teeth and back and forth and backbiting that's gone on in fandom over the last couple of years, I got to tell you, I'm really, I'm prouder and more pleased with fandom in this era than I have been in previous ones. Not because of the bad stuff that's been happening, but because of all the wonderful people that we've gotten to meet and gotten to know through the course of doing this. And to bring this all full circle. Yeah. Case in point, Scott bought us a membership <laughs> to Rancho Obi-Wan so that we could use that on our trip in July. Uh, just use it wisely. Use it wisely. That's all I can say. <laughs> Don't abuse it. Well, I can't guarantee that. Nah, <laughs> I'll abuse it. That's what it's there for. It's like telling you not to take a toy out of the package and play with it. Come on, you got to do mean, it. You got oh my god, yeah, you have to. Don't. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. We're all openers here. Yes. Uh, and the collectors out there just cringed. Yes. Um, <laughs> Molars grind to dust. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> got anything else you want to wrap this up with, Carl? No, I mean, there are so many things I would love to continue to talk to Scott about. But for the sake of time, uh, I think we should we should start winding this down. Um, but no, I mean, Scott, thank you so much for the like literally like the history lesson about the dark times, both just with the facts, but also flushing it out with your stories. I mean, this is great. Yeah, well, and, you, and you even just ended by talking, you know, about in a way your very last question on my star wars stories what is what are you star wars brought to your life that you never expected <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my second to last question but yeah, yeah that is the last question is where is your star wars story today that's right um but yeah that is that is always one of the last questions i ask because because it is different i say it's different but you know what's funny is nearly every single person in some way brings it around to the people that they're surrounded by that they would never have been surrounded by otherwise yeah and uh, and I think that's very real. I think that is a universal thing for all of us. Yeah, I would agree. And it's the only reason why the three of us are talking together. Yeah, I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I'm not crying, but I, I am emotional. This is getting me emotional because I do, I, you know, I, I've just gotten to know so many great people because of this, like you guys, you know. And again, kind of like Glosson and, and Shaz Bazaar and, you know, I mean, Shazbar listens to my my radio program in Brunswick, Georgia, about you know affairs and issues in Brunswick every day, uh, <laughs> because we got to know each other over the podcasting thing, you know. It's uh, and we have that love for Star Wars, so it, it's just it's crazy the the friends and people that you you accumulate and acquire nowadays. So yeah, I'm eternally grateful. 
Yeah. Well, so are we. Hmm. Good. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, so. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, thank you so much, Scott, obviously for, for the Rancho Obi-Wan connection. No. But, um, you just tell me what I got to do to buy my way back on the program, and I'll do that, too. So just let me know. Uh, I mean, All right. And, uh, let's <laughs> Star see. Wars Land tickets wish go on list sale. right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who needs Does Kickstarter? That. We got Scott Rifen. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, Plane ticket to Rancho. Here you go. Now, put me on two episodes for that one. <laughs> Woo. You got it. But no, I mean, this was great. I loved, I just loved hearing you flush, flush this out and, and make better sense of what those dark times were. And again, like, especially I just, for, for people like us that were not alive during them. <laughs> Thanks so, for yes. that in. But you right. know, and the truth is, look, that's my experience and that's my perspective. You get a Richard Walensky, who's also, you know, somebody who was in LA, who went to that Star Wars convention, and you may get a very different perspective on it. You know, uh, it, it is, it was an interesting time, and there's no real definitive story on it. You wait, know? wait a minute, Scott, right. are you are you implying that mm-hmm. are you implying that Star Wars is indeed subjective, and therefore everyone's entitled to their opinion? Uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I feel like only <laughs> Sith deal in absolutes like that. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> a lot oh, of my. fandom have become Siths without realizing it. Yeah, mm, that I, is for sure. I think some One of them became the it other. willingly. Yes. So, um, but yeah, no, it, this has been great. I've, I've I've loved listening to this, and you know, um, like we said at the top of the show, we Jason and I are so excited that we get to go to San Francisco this summer, and certainly be looking forward to like lots of live um, um, footage from that. Um, as we explore all these great Star Wars sites, and and again, like it, it's 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 like the it's the holy land for Star Wars is that Bay Area because it's where George yes. is from. It's what inspired his imagination to create these stories, and you know, I mean, you have Lucasfilm headquarters there, you have Skywalker Ranch, um, you know, and now you have Rancho Obi Wan. I mean, there's so many great things, and, and we can't wait to go. Um, but Scott, thank you so so much for for being on this and and lending your perspective and your insight. Anytime you need me to talk your ears off, I'm there. Great, oh, excellent. Um, but Jason, before we go, we do have a matchup. We're bringing back matchups now that the tournament is over. Um, yes, and uh, I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did come up with it, but oh, yeah. um, we've got a nice, fun uh, bounty hunter team up. Uh, matchup going on, and uh, we are going to have the Fets, Django and Boba, versus Embo and Cad Bane. Who so, would have thought I'd bring Embo to the table? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk that Carl loved Embo? I mean, he only named his cat that. Um, <laughs> so, but um, Carl, if people want to weigh in on our discussion or weigh in on our matchup, where can they do that? They can do it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Wampaslayer. Um, our email is wampaslayerpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, we do have a Patreon page running. Jason owes you all a mini episode on a, on a background character. Sorry for calling you out, Jason. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast if you'd like to participate in any of that funness as well. Yes. And uh, Scott, um, mm-hmm. 
you want to let everybody know where they can follow you on the internet? Uh, well, Plug anything? Want, yeah, my Star Wars story is my Star Wars story will be back soon. I'm getting I'm getting my like I said, I've just I told you guys beforehand. I got my studio rebuilt, and so uh, and I'm starting to get my my soul uncrushed from the hard drive loss that I experienced last year. So uh, look for that to return in the very near future because it will. Excellent. You heard it here first, folks, or maybe not. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, anything else you got, Carl? No, this is this was great. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number two hundred and seventy-eight, The Dark Times. For Carl and Scott, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.